Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Okay, welcome everyone to Mother Miriam Live. Little, little uh, uh, something there uh, to begin with, but I'm happy to be with you. God bless you, and I pray you're doing well this Lent. And I wasn't with you a couple of days the end of last week, but I'm with you now, and I'm th- always, always thrilled to be with you and praying for you and praying that you're having a good Lent. And as I say often, if you've uh, not succeeded in your Lenten intentions, There's no failure except the failure to start again. Always begin again. That's the rule of St. Benedict. Always begin again. Ten times a day, it doesn't matter. Every day, begin again. And every moment of every day, the only failure is to not begin again, is to give up. As long as you keep trying, a thousand failures doesn't mean anything to God unless you give up is the only failure. So if you're Lenten... um, Intentions were too harsh for you. Make uh, ones that are more doable. You can always increase them. Um, And just choose one thing to do uh, for love of God and to begin to master your own passions um, and take control over your own body and and desires and wants. Um, So, um, and maybe you're doing great in your Lenten uh, intentions keep on with them you can increase them or or anything that works but the issue is our love of god and he knows our heart and he knows our efforts um and he loves us for them he loves us anyway but we he gives us an opportunity by his grace to love him back dom garanger by the way i mentioned our newsletter is um, at the printer on its way in the mail to us and we will have it in the mail out in the mail the the uh, email letter of the newsletter has already gone out. <clears throat> if you're on our email list, you would have received it already. If you are not, you can go to our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org, and you can get our newsletter there on our homepage or on the newsletter link. And if you're not on our mailing, uh, we hardly mail anything out a year, maybe one or two newsletters and one or two uh, emails in between, and we don't give your name or address to anybody. Everything is private with us. You're welcome to sign up for our newsletter on the newsletter tab toward the right for either email or regular mail or both. Regular mail, I know it costs us postage. We don't charge anything, but um, we love to send it by regular mail because we always... Um, make up ourselves a new holy card, and we always include it with each newsletter. So um, most of the newsletter for Lent and Holy Week is what it is. It's a lot of Dom Garanger's writing, which I expanded with illustrations and subject heads and all of that. Um, and also, as I promised in the beginning of the newsletter, uh, posted Mother Teresa's a letter telling how much God thirsts for you, for you, for you, for you. Um, I'm going to read this morning 
our uh, the second part of Don Garanger's practice during Lent, which is not in the newsletter. He says, the courageous observance of the church's precept of fasting and abstaining during Lent must be accompanied by those two other eminently good works to which God so frequently urges us in the scripture, prayer and alms deeds. And I might add, beloved, we take these as suggestions. We take the Ten Commandments sometimes as the Ten Suggestions, but they're not. We are required to do this as Catholics. Dom Garanger says, just as under the term fasting, the church comprises all kinds of mortification. So under the word prayer, she includes all those exercises of piety whereby the soul holds intercourse with her God. More frequently, more frequent attendance at the services of the church, assisting at daily mass, spiritual reading, meditation upon eternal truths and the passion, hearing sermons, and above all, the approaching um, uh, the sacraments of penance and the Holy Eucharist. These are the chief means whereby the faithful should offer to God the homage of prayer during this holy season. Alms deeds comprise all the works of mercy to our neighbor. Excuse me. Alms deeds comprise all the works of mercy to our neighbor and are unanimously recommended by the holy doctors of the church as being the necessary complement of fasting and prayer during Lent. God has made it a law to which he has graciously bound himself that charity shown toward our fellow creatures with the intention of pleasing our creator shall be rewarded as though it were done to himself. How vividly this brings before us the reality and sacredness of the tie, T-I-E, which would have to exist between all men. Such indeed is its necessity that our Heavenly Father will not accept the love of any heart that refuses to show mercy, but on the other hand, he accepts as genuine and as done to himself the charity of every Christian who by a work of mercy shown to a fellow man is really acknowledging and honoring that sublime union which makes all men to be one family with God as Father. Hence it is that alms deeds done with this intention are not merely acts of human kindness, but are raised to the dignity of acts of religion, which have God for their direct object and have the power of appeasing his divine justice. Let us remember the counsel given by the archangel Raphael to Tobias. He was on the point of taking leave of this holy family and returning to heaven. And these were his words. Prayer is good with fasting and alms, more than to lay up treasures of gold. For alms delivereth from death, and the same is that which purgeth away sins, and maketh to find mercy and life everlasting. Tobias chapter 12. Equally strong is the recommendation given to this virtue by the book of Ecclesiasticus. Quote, water quencheth a flaming fire, and alms resisteth sins. Also in Sirach, shut up alms in the heart of the poor, and it shall obtain help for thee against all evil. Oh, dear Protestants, you don't have Ecclesiasticus or Tobias or Syria or Sirach. You are missing such a Baruch or Judith. You're missing such 
outstanding, deep, magnificent books of Scripture <clears throat> that are in the Catholic Church and that was in the, um, uh, the Septuagint that our Lord carried and from which he quoted and which Martin Luther single-handedly took out at the Reformation after 15 years, 1,500 years. I continue with Dom Garanger. <clears throat> the Christian should keep these consoling promises ever before his mind, but more especially during the season of Lent. The rich man should show the poor, whose whole year is a fast, that there is a time when even he has his self-imposed privations. The faithful observance of Lent naturally produces a saving. Let that saving be given to Lazarus. Nothing, surely, could be more opposed to the spirit of this holy season than the keeping up a table as richly and delicately provided as at other periods of the year, when God permits us to use all the comforts compatible with the means he has given us. Beloved, as we reduce our food intake during Lent, uh, meat and other things. Um, oh, dear. Oh, my goodness. I have to go back. I just lost it. Um, some families say, well, we'll have extra money or we'll, have, we'll do this instead with it. But take that money and give it to the poor. Take that money and buy food for the poor. Um, hold on a minute. I'm so sorry. I lost, um, I lost what I was reading from. It's from Voice of the Family, which I, I cannot recommend enough to you. Um, I'm seeing if I can bring it up again. Um, mm, let me just see something here. Well, you know, if you're struggling during Lent, um, hold on now. Um, here it is. I've got it back. Thank you, Lord. God is so good to us. I have a very sensitive um, little mouse, and if it touches something, it just closes it down. I have to adjust that. Um, let me go back to where we were. But again, whatever you reduce during Lent, you give up dessert. Uh, or whatever it is, take that and give it to the poor. Um, I'm sorry, I have to... Um, here we go. There is one means, more, whereby we are to secure to ourselves the grand graces of Lent. It is the spirit of retirement and separation from the world. Our ordinary life, that is, such as it is during the rest of the year, should all be made to pay tribute to the holy season of penance, which this is, beloved. Otherwise, the salutary impression produced on us by the holy ceremony of Ash Wednesday will soon be effaced. The Christian ought, therefore, to forbid himself during Lent all the vain amusements, entertainments, and parties of the world he lives in. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll continue this after the second break. And um, uh, after this break and after the second break, we'll have our half hour for your calls and your emails with anything whatsoever on your heart. We'll be right back. Hello, 
beloved, this is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest, prayer, or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience by finding us wherever you enjoy podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. The Station of the Cross began broadcasting in Buffalo, New York in 1999. Since then, our listening areas have multiplied and expanded into several states. While our mission is to grow the Catholic faith through radio and other media outlets, our apostolate is supportive of but independent from your local diocese. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. Join us for the spirit world on the Station of the Cross. If we're really going to suffer, we really need to suffer here when we're in the church militant phase, right? The most difficult part for the poor soul is that they have some amount of that beatific vision in their judgment. They know they're going to get back to God, but then they're separated from God. So that's kind of the worst part because that's a spiritual suffering. The spirit world every Saturday at 11 a.m. right here on the Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am she and we are live and I'm thrilled to be with you. And we're reading... Um, further in Dom Garanger's The Practice of Lent. And he says, um, let me see where we left off. He says, the Christian ought, therefore, to forbid himself during Lent all the vain amusements. Well, let me start from the beginning of the paragraph. There is one means more whereby we are to secure to ourselves the grand graces of Lent. It is the spirit of retirement and separation from the world. Our ordinary life, that is, such as it is during the rest of the year, should all be made to pay tribute to the holy season of penance. Otherwise, the salutary impression produced on us by the holy ceremony of Ash Wednesday will soon be effaced. The Christian ought, therefore, to forbid himself during Lent all the vain amusements, entertainments, and parties of the world he lives in, As regards theaters and balls, which are the world in the very height of its power to do harm, no one that calls himself a disciple of Christ should ever be present at them, unless necessity or the position he holds in society oblige him to it. But if from his own free choice he throw himself amidst such dangers during the present holy season of penance and recollection, he offers an insult to his character 
and must needs cease to believe that he has sins to atone for and a God to propitiate. The world, we mean that part of it which is Christian, has thrown off all those external indications of mourning and penance which we read of as being so religiously observed in the ages of faith. Let that pass. But there is one thing which can never change, God's justice, and man's obligation to appease that justice. The world may rebel as much as it will against the sentence, but the sentence is irrevocable. Unless you do penance, ye shall all perish. Luke chapter 13. God's own word. Say, if you will, that few nowadays give ear to it, but for that very reason many are lost. They too who hear this word must not forget the warnings given them by our divine Savior in the gospel read to us on Sexagesima Sunday. He told us how some of the seed is trodden down by the passers-by or eaten by the fowls of the air, how some falls on rocky soil and gets parched, and how again some is choked by thorns. Let us be wise and spare no pains to become that good ground, which not only receives the divine seed, but brings forth a hundredfold for the Easter harvest, which is at hand. As unavoidable feeling will arise in the minds of some of our readers as they peruse these pages in which we have endeavored to embody the spirit of the church, such as it is expressed not only in the liturgy, but also in the decrees of councils and in the writings of the Holy Fathers. The feeling we allude to is one of regret at not finding during this period of the liturgical year the touching and exquisite poetry which gave such a charm to the 40 days of our Christmas solemnity. First came Septuagesima, throwing its gloomy shade over those enchanting visions of the mystery of Bethlehem. And now we have got into a desert land with thorns at every step and no springs of water to refresh us. Let us not complain, however. Holy Church knows our true wants and is intent on supplying them. Neither must we be surprised at her insisting on a severer preparation for Easter than for Christmas. At Christmas, we were to approach our Jesus as an infant. All she put us through then were the Advent exercises, for the mysteries of our redemption were but beginning. And of those who went to Jesus' crib, There were many who, like the poor shepherds of Bethlehem, might be called simple, at least in this sense, that they did not sufficiently realize either the holiness of their incarnate God or the mystery and guilt of their own conscience. But now that this Son of the Eternal God has entered the path of penance, now that we are about to see him a victim to every humiliation and suffering even a death upon the cross, the church does not spare us. The rouse, it, she rouses us from our ignorance and our self-satisfaction. She bids us strike our breasts, have compunction in our souls, mortify our bodies, because we are sinners. Our whole life ought to be one of penance. Fervent souls are ever doing penance, 
Could anything be more just or necessary than that we should do some penance during these days when our Jesus is fasting in the desert and is to die on Calvary? There is a sentence of this, our Redeemer, which he spoke to the daughters of Jerusalem on the day of his passion. Let us apply it to ourselves. Quote, it's from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. If in the green wood they do these things, what shall be done in the dry? Oh, what a revelation is here. And yet, by the mercy of the Jesus who speaks it, the dry wood may become the green and so not be burned. The church hopes, nay, her whole energy is laboring, that this may be therefore. She bids, let me repeat that sentence. The church hopes, nay, her whole energy is laboring, that this may be therefore. She bids us bear the yoke. She gives us a Lent. Let us only courageously tread the way of penance and let the light and the light will gradually beam upon us. If we are now far off from our God by the sins that are upon us, this holy season will be to us what the saints call the purgative life and will give us that purity which will enable us to see our Lord in the glory of his victory over death. If on the contrary, we are already living the illuminative life, if during the three weeks of Septuagesima we have bravely sounded the depth of our miseries, miseries, our Lent will give us a clearer view of him who is our light. And if we could acknowledge him as our God when we saw him as the babe of Bethlehem, our soul's eye will not fail to recognize him in the divine penitent of the desert or in the bleeding victim of Calvary. Beloved, as a family, you want to urge your children to love God, to do, to give up, or to practice in penance, to do without, to offer to God. What is the measure of their love for him and their understanding of the measure of God's love for them? If someone says, well, I'll give up chocolate, this is a good thing. Give up chocolate. This is a good thing. And I would say to that child, why are you giving up chocolate? Because it's Lent. Well, why do we give up something during Lent? Well, um, I'm not sure. What is Lent? Well, it's when Jesus went into the desert for 40 days and was in as the Gospel of Mark describes, a desert of demons, of demons, of horrors, of all kinds of waste and temptation and um, uh, demonic activity. Why did he go up into the desert, Mom? Because God sent him there. God sent him there? Yes, God sent him there. Why would God do that? Because God loves us and because he sent Jesus to suffer for us. When God came from heaven and took on flesh 
as that tiny, helpless baby in the manger. He didn't give up being God. He gave up, in a sense, put aside the manifestation of his Godhood. But he held the world together from the manger. He never stopped being God. It was his first suffering. God came from heaven, left his father's throne, and as a baby in the manger whom we adored, the shepherds came, the blessed mother, Joseph, everyone came and adored him. Was he happy for that? Of course. But was it a suffering for him? Of course. Away from the Father in heaven? Of course. And then he grew up among us. And when he was 30, he began his public ministry among us. And it began by his walk into the Jordan, where John the Baptist, who was also from the tribe of Judah, who was his cousin, born six months before him, was baptizing Israel for their sins in the Jordan. And into the Jordan came Jesus. And John recognized him as the Lamb of God, the Lamb that all of history awaited, the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. John recognized him. And Jesus came into the baptism waters of Israel to be baptized by John. And John said, no, 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 no. I need to be baptized by you, Jesus. And Jesus said, I understand that. But to fulfill all righteousness, you need to, I need to be baptized by you, John. Why to fulfill all righteousness? Jesus didn't have sin. No. But he came to fulfill the law, and he did. And he came up, and there in the Jordan was the voice of the Father. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. And the whole Trinity was present in that Jordan. The Father from heaven who spoke, the Holy Spirit who came upon the Son, and the Son. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were present in that Jordan. And when Jesus came up out of the Jordan, it was, you'll see in the Gospel of Luke, it was the Holy Spirit who is God, who led Jesus out of the Jordan into the desert to be tempted by the devil. I, really, Mother? I mean, why would God do that? Maybe he didn't know Jesus, the devil was waiting for Jesus in the, te- in the desert. Of course he knew that. He knows everything. He's God. Why would God send Jesus to the desert for 40 days to starve, to be tortured? by the devil, to be tempted, to be uh, treated like a, an animal. Why would God do that? Because of his love for us. And the book of Hebrews says Jesus was tempted in every point as we, but without sin. And the devil made sure that Jesus undergood, underwent every single temptation in that wilderness to break him down. But finally, Jesus would not give in to the devil. And the devil departed from him. Not forever. The Bible says the devil departed from him, left him for a time. And we too, because God loves us, we will be tempted. It's the only way that our faith in God grows. It's the only way that we grow into maturity. And when we resist, the devil also leaves us. But for a time. The more we love God, the more he will return, but the more will be our victory in him who overcame pain and suffering and death. We'll be right back. 
act of consecration to St. Michael the Archangel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O most noble prince of the angelic hierarchies, valorous warrior of Almighty God, and zealous lover of His glory, terror of the rebellious angels, and love and delight of all the just ones, my beloved Archangel St. Michael, desiring to be numbered among thy devoted servants, I today offer and consecrate myself to thee, and place myself, my family, and all I possess under thy most powerful protection. I entreat thee not to look at how little I, as thy servant, have to offer, being only a wretched sinner, but to gaze, rather, with favorable eye at the heartfelt affection with which this offering is made. And remember that if from this day onward I am under thy patronage, thou must, during all my life, assist me and procure for me the pardon of my many grievous offenses and sins, the grace to love with all my heart my God, my dear Savior Jesus, and my sweet mother Mary, and obtain for me all the help necessary to arrive to my crown of glory. Defend me always from my spiritual enemies, particularly in the last moments of my life. Come then, O glorious Prince, and succor me in my last struggle, and with thy powerful weapon, cast far from me into the infernal abysses, that prevaricator and proud angel, that one day thou prostrated in thy celestial battle. St. Michael, defend us in our daily battle, so that we may not perish in the last judgment. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm she, and we are live, and this is our half hour together, my favorite time. You're welcome to call in toll-free with anything whatsoever on your heart or email toll-free number 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. I think we have Valerie from Virginia on the line. Are you there, Valerie? I am here, Mother. Hi, sweetheart. Hi. Thanks for calling in. Of course. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Val. Wonderful. Um, I have some good news, and then I have a question. Sure. So the good news is that, well, not so good. My Most of my family is away from the, from the church, mm-hmm. but my son-in-law is coming into the church at Easter Vigil oh, this year. Oh, blessed be God forever. Yes, yes. And your daughter is Catholic and practicing? My daughter, well, she's, she just got back into practicing, and Good. she's just, my um, grandchildren are going to be receiving their first Holy Communion on April 6th. Oh, this is such great news, Valerie. I think I, you've got a lot of families jealous who want the same thing to happen. Well, uh, this uh, this next one, you are going to love, too. My 
um, childhood friend who we've been, I'm going to be 59, she'll be 60. We've been friends for about 56 years, 56, 58 wow. years. Her husband is Jewish, and he is coming into the church at Easter Vigil, too. <laughs> oh, I'm one goosebump. I'm one. Can you repeat after me, Baruch Hashem? Baruch Hashem. You got it. Tell that to him from me. That just means blessed be God. Oh, how beautiful okay. is that? Just Baruch beautiful. Baruch Hashem. Okay. Now you got it right <laughs> off. Uh huh. <laughs> and I, I, I knew you would love that. And my question for you is, I am as a gift for my friends, um, well, as a gift for both of them, I'm getting both of them Credo by Bishop Schneider. Very good. And I was wondering for my um, um, my Jewish friend, if do you have any books that you can recommend that yes. I I let him know to read? I I told him about your conversion, and mm-hmm. I I mean I've been praying for him for years, and I've been yeah. talking about you for years as well, and and I sent them the link and everything. I said you really need to. I said you will understand so much by listening to Mother Miriam, and I thought you know I'm going to call because I just wondered if there's some books you can recommend for him. Well, I'm thinking since he's just coming into the church. I don't. Do you know if he knows of other um, converts from Judaism to Catholicism? I don't know. He's he never he never talks about it. He he actually hasn't told his mother or his oh, family got it. Okay, yet got because it. it's a very they're going through a whole lot. And he said the timing is just not right. I understand. Here's the book for him. Um, it's called Honey from the Rock. Honey from the Rock. rock. That's uh, Psalm 81 and other psalms, but it's written by, who was an Orthodox Jew, Roy Showman, who came into the Catholic Church. He doesn't call himself a convert. He calls himself an entrant into the Church because Catholicism is the fulfillment of Judaism, so it's not a rejection of Judaism. I often say the most Jewish a Jew could be is to be Catholic. So this is a book of 16 conversion stories from Jews who became Catholic, realizing it was not the rejection of Judaism, but its fulfillment. My story's in there, my brother's story's in there, but there were also stories in there from uh, uh, people that died the last two centuries and people are still alive today. It's a honey from the rock. It's a wonderful, 16 Jews who entered the Catholic Church. And I think to read personal stories like that will confirm uh, his new faith to his heart. And, and give many answers that he might still have questions for. Well, that's wonderful. And, and, and you said it's Roy Showman. Yes, S-C-H-O-E-M-A-N. Um, let me give you two websites. Roy Showman, okay. has, he has another book that's titled Salvation is from the Jews. That's our Lord's quote. Um, and it's the history of salvation from Abraham through to the second coming and showing how God chose the Jews to bring the Messiah into the world and has a plan for them through to the second coming. So that might be a little, a lot for him to read, uh, but it's a good book. But Roy Showman has a website called Salvation is from the Jews dot com. Salvation is from the Jews dot com. One more. My brother David heads the Association of Hebrew Catholics all over the world. And that is an association of thousands of Jews 
who have found their fulfillment in the Catholic Church. And if you want, and many stories on his website, all kinds of things, it's one word, HebrewCatholic.net. HebrewCatholic. HebrewCatholic.net. That's it. So you've got those two great websites, and um, Honey from the Rock is is very, very good. And um, many other conversion stories, Rhonda Chervin, um, has written a number of conversion stories. Um, uh, but you can get these books going to HebrewCatholic.net and just click on shop, and David sells them all. Um, I'm sure Roy Showman sells uh, his books as well. So um, lots of good sources. This is wonderful. I'm, I'm, so, um, he, I'm so thrilled for him. And yes. he, um, you know, my, I, I've been trying to get my friend, um, his wife, to, you know, to, to try to find a Latin mass because I was telling him, I said, you would, you would see so much simile in that. And similar to <laughs> in, the synagogue, a, much so than the Nova right. Soto, for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. I said in a high mass, I said you would, oh my. you would be astounded by it if you, you know, so I, I don't know that, um, you know, they're, they, uh, from what I understand, they go to, you know, they know the Novus Order, but my friend's mother always used to talk about how, um, you know, God rest her soul, she has passed um, last year, but she always talked about how, um, you know, everything has changed after Vatican II, and she doesn't know what happened. She doesn't even know yeah. what she's going to, and my friend yeah. said that she would say this for years. Mm-hmm. So. Yep, yep, yep. So, I don't know. They're all in Virginia, as you are? No, no. Actually, they're in New Jersey. All right. Well, mm-hmm. I would just look for a Latin Mass wherever they are. You can find it online and maybe encourage them to visit. But um, but that's okay. If it's a Reverend Novus Ordo, uh, he can get started. It's wonderful. Right, right. So... So that, that was the reason for my call. I said, I have to call Mother Miriam and share this all this with her. Great, great call. And, and tell him that in the if, church. <laughs> yep, and tell him that um, uh, I would be delighted to hear from him if he ever wants to call in with any question at all, or just to oh, say hello. Too. Yes, okay. yes, I would be happy to. All okay, right, well, dear. thank you, Mother Miriam. Thanks, Valerie. And, God and bless blessed you. Lent to you. Yeah, and you too, Valerie. Thanks so much. Let's see. Now, we have an email from Tony, and Tony writes, I'm 21 years old. I was born Catholic. Um, No one is born Catholic, Tony. You can be born again Catholic, but we come out of our mother's womb as sweet little cute sinners separated from God, and it's through baptism that we're born again. So you were born into a Catholic family, but you were born again and became Catholic. Uh, I want to say that because Catholics need to understand. He says, I'm 21 years old, born Catholic, and I changed that to born again, baptized at birth, and that's when you became Catholic in your baptism, and went through all the cycles of sacraments without understanding the meaning of why we as Catholics have the sacraments, as they're not mentioned explicitly in the Bible, but mentioned individually as different events that can lead to salvation. Well, that's not true, Tony. I'm, I'm sorry that um, everything's in the Bible. Um, the Catholic Church wrote the Bible. Um, that's what Martin Luther said. We wouldn't have the Bible were it not for the Catholic Church, even though he destroyed it in large measure. 
Um, I'm sorry that you weren't taught as a child, Tony. Um, all the sacraments are in Scripture, all of them. You said you were baptized at birth. John chapter 3 says, unless you're born again by water and the Spirit. I know Protestants have different interpretations of that, but those are interpretations are only 200 years old against the church that has taught for 2,000 years. So you're baptized, that's, you're confirmed, um, which uh, Paul says, uh, um, um, oh boy, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I've taught on all this, but the scriptures uh, specifically, I need a minute to look them up, um, where confirmation um, uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 11 has all the gifts of the Spirit that we receive at confirmation. Um, and uh, the book of Acts talks about um, uh, those receiving the Holy Spirit um, and its confirmation. So that's there. Um, let me just see marriage, of course, is in the Scripture, um, our Lord talks about marriage in, in Matthew 19 and many other places, the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians. Um, what else? Penance, yes, if we forgive our sins, if we confess our sins, First John, God is faithful and righteous to forgive them. Um, uh, and and um, um, grant us all righteousness. I think I'm missing a word or two there. Uh, John says to the... Um, the apostles in the upper room, uh, he breathed on them the Holy Spirit and says, who, you, who sins you forgive are forgiven, who sins you retain are retained. There's, I should do a whole program on this. And a penance, a rather extreme unction, um, James speaks about the prayer of a righteous man um, availing much. Um, what am I missing? Confirmation, um, marriage, penance, extreme unction, um, the Eucharist, of course, unless you, John chapter 6, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Um, what am I missing? Somebody call in baptism, confirmation, the Eucharist, uh, communion. That's the Eucharist and communion are the same. Um, I might be missing something here. Um, marriage, extreme unction. If I'm oh holy orders, that's it. Holy orders of, of the priesthood, and Paul talks about the priesthood. So, um, uh, it, it, every bit of those, every one of those sacraments are in Scripture. But I, 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 I will get into them. Perhaps I'll, I'll do a whole program on them. But let me go to your second paragraph. Um, uh, Tony says I have a couple of questions as why we have created these man-made rules slash doctrines after the amalgamation of the Bible. Well, what you talk about as amalgamation, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about the canon of Scripture, which was put together at the councils of Carthage and Hippo in the 4th, 5th century by Catholic popes and bishops. There were no Protestants back then. So if you say amalgamation, if you're talking about the canon of Scripture, that was put together by the Catholic Church at those councils. And there's no man-made rules after the Bible was put together. There's no man-made rules. Uh, the Catholic Church teaches, as most Protestants do, that um, Revelation ceased after the last apostle, first century, before the canon of Scripture. Revelation ceased. There is no new doctrine. There is, as Cardinal John Henry Newman called, the development of doctrine. 
but development of doctrine as an acorn develops into a full tree, Cardinal Newman taught through his book essay on the development of doctrine that you can trace a true doctrine from the acorn into the branches and you can go from the branches back to the acorn and separate true from false doctrine but you can't reinterpret doctrine you can't add to it you can't subtract from it you get to understand it more just like we know that god uh, jesus christ is god in human flesh we know that as a three-year-old if we're raised in a catholic home but when we're a 20-year-old we understand that a great deal more uh, what that means that god is a triune god and yet when we're 80 we understand it more and if we live to be uh, 500 will never understand it fully because it's God. But we continue to expand in our understanding. There's the music for our final break. I'm going to come back to this right after the break, uh, Tony. So don't go away. Um, and we'll be right back after the break. God bless you. Exorcists generally identify three categories of activities and experiences that open a person to demonic possession. We can think of these categories as doors for demonic attacks on the person. They invite demons in, but they do not always result in an actual demonic possession. There is also demonic oppression and demonic obsession. There's also just hanging on to the sin, right? and not removing yourself from the sin, which happens to be door number one, he tells us. So what are the three categories of activity that can open a person to demonic possession that most exorcists are in agreement upon? Patterns of sin that are not left, that are not departed from, patterns of sin, the occult, and being a victim of trauma. Now that last one kind of sounds harsh because the person's a victim after all, it's not their fault. Well, it's a question of healing though. Are they healed from that trauma? That's Sermons for Everyday Living from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Did you know that an unwanted car or truck can make a great gift? When the time comes to purchase a new one, consider donating your old car or truck to the Station of the Cross. We have a quick and simple way for you to get rid of your unwanted vehicle while supporting the solid Catholic programming you love listening to on your radio, online, and through your mobile devices. Whether they run or not, we accept cars, trucks, RVs, boats, and motorcycles. It's a great opportunity for you to give more than you might normally be able to. At the same time, you'll be clearing out space in your garage or driveway, ridding yourself of an unwanted vehicle. Just visit us online at thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. 1-866-628-2277. May God bless you for your generosity in support of Catholic Radio. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We're uh, going through a, an email that Tony wrote in um, and I think it's very important for me to conclude this email 
um, <clears throat> Tony said, I'm 21 years old. I was born Catholic and I, he was baptized at birth. That's when you became Catholic. No one comes out of their mother's womb Catholic. Um, but you were, were baptized Catholic and you became born again at birth and went through all cycles of the sacraments without understanding the meaning of why we as Catholics have the sacraments. Um, well, shame on whoever gave you those sacraments, um, that you were not taught either at home or in school. Um, Tony says they're not mentioned explicitly in the Bible, but mentioned individually as different events that lead to salvation. Um, let me, um, and I tried to uh, remember uh, by memory, uh, tell you the scriptures, um, but I found them, Tony. Let me, I'm going to go very quickly because I want to finish this uh, before the end of the program. We have um, uh, very few minutes. Let me do it quickly. Baptism. <clears throat> Baptism was considered the first and foundational sacrament for the early church, um, and references can be found throughout the New Testament. Um, I've got lots of scriptures here. Matthew 3.16, 28.19, Mark 1.8, 16.16, John 3.5, Acts 1, 4-5, 2.38, 8.10, 8.36-38, 11.16, 22.16, Romans 6.3 and 4, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, Colossians 2, 12, 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. Tons of scriptures on baptism, which is not, um, which is necessary for salvation, not a good idea. It's necessary. Um, the Catholic Church teaches that what the sacraments signify they actually do. So in Protestantism, uh, I was baptized as an evangelical and taught that it just gets you wet, but you're still doing it as an ordinance in obedience to God, but it gets you wet. Um, the fact is water saves nobody. It does get us wet. But God says we are born again through water in the spirit, and that is that as we go into the water, which is a sign of cleansing, God through his spirit does what the water signifies and cleanses our soul from original sin and pours his grace into our soul and makes us his children through baptism. So the, the outward sign is a sign of what God is doing in the soul, confirmation. The first mention of the completion of baptism by the coming of the Holy Spirit is the account of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Acts 19.3-6 makes it clear that baptism and confirmation are two separate sacramental signs. Hebrews 6.2, baptism and laying on of hands, which is confirmation, are seen as separate as well. And other scriptures on confirmation, John 14.6, Acts 8.14-17, 19.3-6. You can look these up. And then the Eucharist. The Eucharist was clearly established at the Last Supper. It means Thanksgiving. And as Jesus... Um, celebrated the last supper the last passover supper of the old covenant became the first passover supper of the new covenant in the blood of the true passover lamb who is christ and it's um it's recounted uh, matthew 26 26 to 29 additional references to the breaking of bread can be found luke 24 35 acts 2 42 first corinthians 11 24 27 i know this is too fast for you to get but you could listen to the podcast, slow it down, and look all these scriptures up. As Jesus was at that last supper, he took unleavened bread, the matzah, and he held it in his hand, and he said over the matzah, this is my body. And 
bread became his body. Bread obeyed. That's what St. Augustine said. As he took wine and said over the wine, this is my blood, blood obeyed and became his, uh, wine obeyed and became his body. God creates by his word. He said, let there be light, and there was. On penance, as Catholics, we understand that Jesus gave the authority to forgive sin to the apostles, Matthew 16, 19, John 20, 21 to 23. We believe this authority has been passed down through bishops and priests to the present day as part of the power to bind and loosen. The anointing of the sick. Healing the sick was a vital part of Jesus' ministry and was carried on by his disciples after his resurrection. The specific call for anointing is spelled out in James chapter 5, 13 through 15, calling for prayers by the elders and the anointing with oil for the sick. Holy orders. Catholics have always believed that Jesus instituted the sacrament of holy orders, that is the priesthood, at the Last Supper when he commissioned the apostles saying, do this in remembrance of me, Luke twenty two nineteen. In the rest of the New Testament, we can see the pattern of passing down this authority and responsibility. Some of the passages that relate to holy orders include Acts six three to six, Acts thirteen two to three, and First Timothy three one three eight through nine four sixteen five seventeen to nineteen and five twenty two. Matrimony, last one. Jesus' first miracle was performed at the wedding feast of Cana, John 2, 1 through 11, indicating the importance of marriage. Through both the Old and New Testament, the relationship between God and his people is often described in marital terms. In the New Testament, some of the scriptures that show matrimony, matrimony to be a sign of Christ and the church as well as a special bond between man and woman are Matthew nineteen ten to 11 and Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. The unity between the sacraments and scripture is both clearly presented and part of the mystery of faith. That's not surprising, since the Latin word for mystery is sometimes translated sacramentum, and Eastern Christians still continue to call the sacraments the mysteries. Knowing where the sacraments originate in scripture, however, enables us to enter into these mysteries more completely and unite ourselves more fully with our Lord. Tony, I don't say that's going to... um, educate you or convince you in any way but if you take a look at like just google or do an engine search on the scriptural basis for the catholic sacraments you will find tons of studies and tony goes on to say i have a couple of questions and we only have a couple of minutes tony i'm going to do this very quickly he says i have a couple of questions on why we have created these man-made rules slash doctrines after the amalgamation of the bible well it's not if you would look and read the church fathers don't read uh, stop with Luther and Zwingli and Calvin and, and all the modern. Go back to the church fathers. Polycarp was discipled by John, the evangelist. The early church fathers were discipled by the apostles, and they know what they meant by what they said. Um, no man-made rules. He says in the Bible, 1 Timothy 2.5 is mentioned in the New Revised Standard Version of our Bible, quote, for there's one God, there's also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human. But as Catholics, we invoke the names of Mother Mary and the saints alike interchangeably in prayers as mediators to pray for people who have passed, to pray for people, to pray for people who have passed. I want to know the reason why we do this, as our Bible says not to do this. In fact, oh my goodness, let me read this. The Bible says the opposite. Apostle Paul, 
in First Timothy chapter 2. First of all, you're reading of chapter 5. I want to start with, um, with verse 1 in chapter 2. First of all, then, Paul says, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, what is intercession? And thanksgiving be made for all men, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life, godly and respectful in every way. This is good and is acceptable in the light of our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth because we pray for all men everywhere. Why? For there's one God and one media between God and man and Jesus Christ. If you ask me to pray for you, Tony, of course I will. And I won't say to you, why don't you go to Jesus? He's the only one between us and Christ because he has established us as little mediators, little intercessors in the one mediator to pray for all men everywhere. Paul pleads for us to pray for one another, to pray for him because we are little mediators, little intercessors in the one mediator who is Jesus Christ. There's a little more to this and you've asked another question. I'll take it up first thing tomorrow in the program during the last half hour. God bless all of you. Speak with you, God willing, tomorrow.